Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. Before I get into the details of this episode, I'm going to cover the usual stuff and some shows that are upcoming um, of mine in New York. So first off, Amazon Affiliate uh, supports Hey Human. If you go to the heyhumanpodcast.com website, you'll see an Amazon portal at the top of the page. If you click on that, it helps support, and you do your shopping on Amazon like you normally do, it helps support Hey Human. There's also a support button just in general on the website of heyhumanpodcast.com. And if you are so inclined, uh, 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 supporting Hey Human helps keep it going, and I appreciate it. Um, please rate and review Hey Human on iTunes and on whichever podcast app you listen through. I think they all give you the option to rate and review. A couple things. Oh, my social media, as usual, uh, Hey Human Podcast. It's on uh, Instagram and, of course, Facebook. And then my general Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff is Susan Ruthism. Um, S-U-S-A-N-R-U-T-H-I-S-M. Please uh, follow me and like me and do all those things. That'd be great. Um, I wanted to let people in New York know that I will be performing a musical performance um, at the Bitter End on January 24th at 6 p.m. Um, please come out to that show if you are in New York and you are so inclined. That same night, um, as soon as I'm done with the Bitter End show, I'm going to be trucking up the street to another venue um, at the DL on Delancey Street. And that is going to be for an evening with Rad to celebrate the return of the 60th Grammy Awards. So that's exciting. They've asked me to play a couple songs at that event. Uh, For tickets to that, uh, please, uh, you can go through Eventbrite and look for it there. Or the easy way to do it is just go to SusanRuth.com, which is my personal website. And uh, there's a link on there to get tickets for that event in New York. So if you're in the New York area and you feel like getting out and seeing music on the 24th, please do so. Um, I'm going to have some live podcast episodes uh, out of New York. I'm very excited about that. As soon as I get more details, I'll let everybody know about that as well. So that's an exciting thing coming. Um, If you have any comments or questions or would like to reach out and say hey, please do so. Susan at heyhumanpodcast.com. Always love to hear from you. And um, yeah, okay, so this episode, Janin, uh, she's in Las Vegas, and we chatted about what it's like to be a clairvoyant for her, uh, her experience. She did some predictions for me to, uh, to say to you guys. Um, she, she relayed these over the phone after uh, we had our interview, so... Um, she said that for 2018, as far as she doesn't follow football, she wanna make that abundantly clear. She knows nothing about sports, but she saw black, gold, green, and white on the field. And she mentioned that her son said, well, that sounds like Steelers and Eagles. So when he said that to her, she said she felt the Steelers were gonna win. So take that as, as you may, but that was her prediction on the football situation. Um, she saw in 2018, Trump in Cuba. Uh, she didn't know what that meant or, or why he's in Cuba, but she said she saw him in Cuba. Um, she said she saw no impeachment um, and that, in fact, she saw him running again for re-election. 
Um, she also saw something a bit yeah, scary. Um, she said she saw some sort of a chemical event in Nevada or California. She wasn't sure. She said it felt very close to where she is, which is in Nevada. Um, she said it involved a small plane and it felt like a domestic terror kind of situation. She said she saw military planes and or copters um, bringing down the errant plane. So again, take that with a grain of salt. And uh, one thing she did mention, I said, well, that doesn't sound great. And she said, no, but it's also, you know, the timeline of the, of the universe is such that if we think positive thoughts that, you know, we can stave off things like this. So I will choose to think very positive thoughts that that does not happen because that does not sound like a good thing. Um, anyway, Janin is an exceptional human being. I have known her a very, very long time. And I believe that what she does is real and she's very good at it. Um, and yeah, so it was really interesting to talk to her about her process. We actually had two conversations over the course of a couple months. Um, and there were the, the second conversation is the one that it had the better sound quality and all that stuff. Um, but there were some things she said in the first conversation that I really wanted to, to keep um, because it, it was just great information. So I've copied it over into the second conversation. Are you following what I'm saying here? I know it's kind of confusing. Uh, so you might hear a bit of a sound quality change or whatnot. Um, I'm going to try and make it as seamless as I can. Don't forget lots of cool links on heyhumanpodcast.com about Janin and psychic phenomenon. Thanks for listening, everybody. I appreciate it. And without further ado, here we go. Hi, Janin. Welcome to Hey Human. Hi, Susan. It's so good to see you. You know, it's great to see you. Yay! <laughs> and you look great. You look fabulous. Well, thank you. You do too. It's, it's, um, we have known each other for so long and yet have barely laid actual eyes on each other, which is funny. I know. And yet... But I um, consider you one of my dearest, nearest and dearest. I love that. And yet... And I love that. And my heart, my heart, your heart, that's... I mean, you even extend into my family, who've never talked to you, who've never met you, and my husband says, how's Susan? <laughs> I talked to him once on the phone, maybe twice, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's a good guy. Oh, he's a keeper. Yeah. Good job there. So, yeah, it took, it took a couple of tries. But <laughs> hey, man. I'm... We got it. All that relationship stuff. That's what we're all about. Love is the thing. I really believe that. You know, and to what degree? There's so many degrees. There's so, it's ever expanding. Yeah. You know, and I have a few years on you. And uh, as you move into that, those, those wisdom years, not that you don't have that right now, but it just continues and continues. I'm amazed at what I still learn still and hope I have enough time to continue. I said to Kent the other day, I said, 
the frustration sometimes is there's so much I want to know out in the world. There's so much I want to study and so much I need to tap into other than what we just naturally tap into. And I have to remind myself that we're timeless, that it's there. I can find it. I don't have to stop and read the book or take the class. That's great because I'm inspired and enthralled, but sometimes we can just go into the space and find it. And that's kind of what I'm all about. I will say that. Going into space. I mean, I, I, it is an exciting, it's a, it's a crazy world. For sure, but it's always been a crazy world, and it's an exciting time to be alive in that there is so much knowledge to be had out there for a curious mind, and if you can navigate the waters that try to vilify intellect and curiosity, if you can get through those treacherous issues that that seem to be bombarding left and right, and I mean that literally and not just metaphorically. Um, You know, it's there's so much to know, and you'll never know it all, and that's so exciting. It's an exciting place to be to know that you'll never know all the things. It's just, it's like a picture that constantly we're painting and unfolds, and when we come to a place where we don't need to know, because we know that it's there, and we're able to tap into that um, uh, ancestral knowledge, mm-hmm. wherever that comes from, mm-hmm. then the, the frustration of being in the physical and ta- attached to the physical and having to need to know, so I can go here or do this or experience that, we can let that go and we can just be, and then it, un- it seems to unfold much more rapidly mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and now with this acceleration and transformation that we're all rapidly <laughs> going down the tunnel <laughs> sometimes it feels like um, I think it's 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 been more important for me now and and you know I'm, I'm from Vegas um, especially after the event of October 1st and I know that impacted your community as well yeah. especially that you know to I we were closely hit by that um, and the community is small. The community came together like so many communities do and things like that. But to witness, to be witness to the gathering of the human spirit, of those that stepped out of themselves and were thrust into the moment, not just at the event, but after, and it's still going on. Those are remarkable changes. And yes, it's painful. And yes, it was horrific. But I can't help but look at the shift that has taken place because of it. Um, and that, to me, is what's unfolding and continues to unfold. I'm excited about the future. I see this, well, of course, technology, which is like, oh, geez, let's just keep up. Um, but how that's going to impact the generations to come and heal and assist. And for me, being the, the psychic, the, um, that information is more accessible to everybody now, more so than it ever has been. Mm-hmm. And being in a position to be able to open that up when I'm speaking to somebody, and so they can find it within themselves, and they can leave that space that he or she shared with me in that moment. If if, you, if they can find that, if you can find that, and I know you have, and, I, and it's wonderful how you open up to others, that's going to assist them far beyond that little circle of space and time that we share and 
somehow there's a return to our very being that we're unconsciously receiving. We're uplifted, we're supported. Um, what was it I was reading the other day? Something about, um, I'll, I'll leave it to the physicist to explain it, but basically if you have A, B, and C cells on a cellular level, and it's called transference, and you manipulate A cell, it will skip over B cell and move over, which is in the same proximity. They're manipulating it now so that it will skip B and move over to C, which may be on the other side of the planet. Yeah. On a cellular level. So that says when we see something that is disturbing or we join a, a, a group of people or a movement or, as I say, there are no secrets and we're, ev- and we're seeing that now. When we join that in that effort, even if we're not speaking to someone or talking at the dinner table or out like at that interview you had a couple of weeks ago that information is still there so i think i saw it on your facebook was it vice news oh yes yeah yeah so um whatever is said and and then transferred in the physical by facebook or on the news or in sharing with in a conversation that's just part of it. We go far beyond that, that moment, that energy that we share in that one-on-one being present extends, transfers beyond us, beyond our awareness. Right. And that, I think, tech, the technology is going to be able to harness that. And that's when we're going to have fun things like time travel. (laughs) Well, it's interesting when events like October 1st and like so many events all over the world, in fact, just recently in Egypt, where the the gunmen came in and slaughtered 300 some people while they prayed. Sufis, which are, that's a mystic religion. So that's like, there's, there's, to me, the slaughtering people while they pray is bad enough, but to slaughter someone who has a mystical belief that just seems extra gross, you know what I mean? But I think about these events and then how people come together and and help each other, strangers. Um, and I use that word stranger loosely because I, I don't know that I believe in that word very much. And, and, it, and in those moments, we come together and we bear witness for each other. Oh, you know? and yeah. And we hold each other sacred. And I think we forget it when the... As we're moving through our day and we get mad at the guy in front of us in the car who's driving like a jerk or someone cuts us off, you know, in the grocery, I know, whatever it is, we forget that we're all just bearing witness to each other. We forget about the tribe. And I think that is why um, things like social media, they can be super duper gross for sure. But at the same time, regimes have been toppled. Bad regimes have been toppled thanks to social media. You know, children have been found thanks to social media. We, mm-hmm. it is, to me, I think we're, we've forgotten what it feels like to be in a tribe on an intellectual level, but on a cellular level and in our hearts. We need that so much that we are creating them in these other places for good or bad. I mean, the, there's a lot of screaming tribes on Facebook, boring <laughs> <laughs> tribes, whatever, but it's still, I think that's why that happens. I think it does, and I think it's part of the acceleration that has been um, assisted with technology. And Facebook is how many years old now? Not long. Not long. Um, um, maybe, a, is it a decade even? I don't even, I'm not sure. about 10, 11 years, so look at that. that Seems like I just had my MySpace yesterday. 
Right. Oh, gosh. I, you know, I'll give away my age. There was something called Prodigy in the beginning, very beginning, way back. Like oh, I don't know that one. So weird. There were like 10,000 members, was it? So, but going back to the point, the, the, the being able to come together in the tribe, and then the tribe that we're speaking of is anchored here in the physical. So moving to a point where this tribe is able to connect and we separate the, let's call it evil, and it's a, that's a strong word, but the acts of evil, the acts in the, the mosque, the acts of, you know, all of those things. Um, when we're, as a tribe, we're able to move further and further and further away for that, there will be a shift into, I believe, the higher consciousness. And that's a whole discussion, you know, the consciousness and the soul and the experience. So being able to move is much like, um, I, I always describe it as glass marbles, a bowl of glass marbles, you know, the bubbles that you say. And, and to move from your tribe in Nashville or my tribe here into the tribe on Facebook, what happens when we become global? When that, and I think our, my grandchildren, I know, will see it. There's predictions out there, um, ancient predictions um, and newer ones, and I've done some looking at it through numerology, uh, that 2025 is significant. Um, as for a shift, I've always thought the shift was going to be through technology. And when I've been able to go into those really deep, deep places with particular clients that work in that industry, even though they're very protected, and um, I, I, I can think of one that he wouldn't speak to me when he was within a few miles of his workplace. He would drive over the hill and down in the valley. Because he didn't, he understood, and he's a scientist, he understood that what we were looking at was not just between he and I. And he was, you know, researcher in that technology. So it's out there. Has it all come together? I don't know, but I know somebody's working on it. Yeah. And I think that's maybe what the ancients perhaps predicted. And it'll correct somewhere this has to correct whether it's 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 environmentally socially and we're seeing that now and it is exciting it, i'm not frightened i'm optimistic now i'm not frightened either when something happens to me in the physical and right. you know of course and that's when we go to the heart and we get that tribal connection that connects us to this physical and you run into the fire or you protect your babies or whatever it may be so yeah, I think about that if I were killed before I finished my work, whatever that may be. Um, like I love doing Hey Human so much, um, and that feels like it's giving something to not mm-hmm. just to me, but just in general to the consciousness. Um, but if I were to like if I got hit by a truck or something, no, I would be in. But I mean, I would be. Obviously, I'd be dead, so I don't know what I'd be. But I feel like my my consciousness now thinks about that and thinks, well, that would be annoying because I still have things to do. And then a part of me goes, but I would just come back because that's my belief system. And I may be wrong. I'm okay not knowing either way. But as you were saying earlier about things to learn and what we're going to be seeing, I feel like I will see it. I'll see all of it. I'll stand with your grandchildren and hold their hands and see it. You know what I mean? Because um, 
as will you in my belief system that will transcend the physical so that's interesting so when and before talking to you today i i thought you know it's important for me to share something that i experience when i'm working with individuals that i would move into what is called mediumship i am i don't consider myself a medium as in i've gone to medium school or i've done something to learn about it I'm a medium because that information comes in. So when I'm working with someone, speaking of death, so when I'm working with someone who's suffered a loss, that what you just mentioned of still being present, of still being in a place where you continue your work, even though you're not in the physical, I have seen that over and over. For instance, you know, if somebody's father has died, and his work was complete and he felt like he his work was complete in this lifetime um that's often validated when his information begins to come through and i'm talking to his son or daughter and i can feel the difference on an energetic level he's very present with this lifetime he's still watching and and learning and is is he capable of manipulating and you know sending us lottery numbers? No, I wish. <laughs> it's beyond that. But but he's still very present, and I've, I've I've called it the whisper, the whisper away. So our loved ones are just a whisper away, and then there are those sometimes that are completely detached. I'll find them, or they'll come to me. I don't find them. They I'll, I'll open the door and they'll come in. And they almost appear in a very non-physical energy, pure light, all-encompassing, like it's the ascension of a soul that is transversed through all of the lifetimes that they would have to move through and, and to reach the, the place of knowledge and um, uh, beyond consciousness and into manifestation so they move and i think those may be the light beings those may be the angels that we speak of so yes you know that's even exciting like okay well let's let's go i can do work on the other side but then i'm very attached to the physical and i honor that so taking away the fear of dying and Yes, our body is going to be fearful when something happens. Um, if that's a process of releasing and a process of illness or death and we're prepared for it and surrounded by love, that does make a big difference. But in the times where I've observed people um, that have been tragically removed from this life, there's an instantaneous acknowledgement of, oh, okay, step away. Um and very seldom do I see something that would be described as an in-between place. Once in a while, I will observe that. Um, suicide is often the case, not always, um, where the, the need to move, remove oneself from the pain of the physical life you know, results in an act of suicide. That sometimes leads to a place that is a little different. It's like there's a, an acknowledgement of the all love and the, the connection to soul, but there's a process that seems to take one through the human emotion 
not quite removed from it. Mm. So there's a little bit of an impact, a review of the impact that that choice that was made has. And it, it it's not long, there's no time there, but it is a little different. When I had the opportunity to observe an assisted, a legal assisted suicide, I'm not observant, I don't mean that, to, to work with somebody whose father actually was the very first person in their state to, to have the opportunity to do that. I, I thought, I was so curious, it's like, is it going to be okay? Is it going, does that soul move through that, that space that I've seen over and over and over again? And no, no, because it was such a conscious decision it was in agreement, it was surrounded by love and peaceful, and that was immediately as though it was a natural death or an accidental death. It was almost the same. So there's this mysterious, you know, lure or, or pull that we all have to return. And I think honoring our work and our relationships and our communication with one another and being in integrity and being honesty and honest with each other and allowing the process for others to, to discover that on their own without judgment um, is all we need to do. And, you know, the, as, you, as you said, the noise, sometimes we can't help but move into that place of critique and judgment and separation. But we can remind ourselves and then that experience can evolve into that tribal communion, um, that circle. Um, it's as though we're all just holding hands in a big giant circle, mm -hmm. sharing that energy. And the more we do that, the more it extends, that transference, and maybe even beyond this planet to get a little weird. <laughs> it's not weird to me. <laughs> well, I mean, and look at some of the, the cultures, indigenous Americans, for example, or uh, you know, in African religions and things like that, they, they consider those who have passed to be part of the tribe evermore. In places like Bali, they set the table for the deceased still at the meal table. It's still a huge part of their everyday activities that they welcome whatever is going on in that other realm to be present in this realm, which I think is so freaking cool. The whisper away. Yeah. So, okay, so now we have revealed you <laughs> let's go back so you are uh, a medium you are psychic although I know it's not your favorite word in the whole world um, you are a numerologist uh, you're awesome person yes. <laughs> uh, let's go back to the very beginning um, I do that in almost every episode <laughs> what, um, how did you know Let's go back to the beginning when Janet went, uh, does anybody else see that? Is, is that just me? <laughs> you know, I, it seems so natural. As a, as a kid, like three years old, I would see spirit and I, you associate. When you see things, you, your mind is developing and even now you, you de develop an idea like, oh, that's that. As a three-year-old, I would lay in bed and see this like figure moving back and forth in the hallway and I could see the light, the whole light through him and he just moved back and forth. And in my mind there's that that um, bedtime story about the Sandman. So in my three-year-old mind I called him the Sandman. 
And we hear lots of stories about kids seeing things. So that was maybe my first um, feeling of seeing something that nobody else was seeing. So we just made that up. Then as I got a little older, um, there were times when I would say something's going to happen or I see this. Um, My grandparents had a store that comes to mind. I was probably seven and we went to bed. I was staying with them, and I said, to, to "Somebody's breaking into the store tonight. The store is going to be uh, a robber's coming in." Well, the next morning, everybody got up, and a robber had come in, and the store was, you know, somebody had taken things. So it was things like that that seemed very natural to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was I was shy. I was quiet partly because there was a lot of information pouring in all the time. And um, I I had to navigate that because I could very easily slip into a fairyland, is what I call it now, and go into an imaginary space and see other realms. That was a very vivid imagination, but to me it was real. Were you able to see what might be considered, you know, dark and light, both, or only? Only light. Only light. Um, And maybe that was because I had the innocence of a child. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I moved probably into my 20s and started to do a little exploration of my own late 20s, like, well, let me see what that looks like, that I experienced something dark. (laughs) And then made the conscious choice not to allow that and um, you hear a lot about psychics and others needing to feel like they need to put up protection and I think that's important Um, sometimes that's necessary I felt it a couple of times and I've put it up Um, I was once under a psychic attack which was like crazy amazing story I was just sitting there innocently and it was at a wedding Um, it was in Sedona I was sitting there on a bale of hay, um, it was that kind of wedding, and across the circle there was this other woman and she was looking at me, just kind of strange, I had no idea who she was. Well, it was Sedona, so there were, you know, psychics and things all over the place. Um, and she pointed her finger at me, and I thought, well, maybe she knows me, in my innocence. And the next thing I knew, Susan, the, the man sitting next to me, who I didn't know, he looked over at me and he, he my hand flew up on my shoulder, my, over my heart. My hand just flew over my shoulder, uh, on my heart. And I felt something. And he said to me, he said, did you see that? I go, no, but I felt something. So I thought, this is just due protection. I don't know what this is. Just leave it alone. Go back to the party. The next morning at breakfast at a restaurant this woman was sitting there and this is where the manipulation of energy can take place and if you if you acknowledge it you're allowing it in many ways i saw her at the table i chose to ignore and just kind of put up that own light and and protection around me and turned it back towards her and she got up from the table she walked over to me and she says, I know you felt that, and I hope you learned your lesson. And I said, I did, thank you. And that was the end of it. So whatever it was, whatever was needed to happen there happened. 
but being aware of it, had I gone into fear or feeling like I had to move into that space with her, that was dark. It was very, very dark. Um, so it, it, I think we all have in us this ability to intuit and that is accelerating. You know that. It's, it is, and for me, it just is a part of that activity in my brain <laughs> that was naturally there. My mother was psychic. Um, my daughter's extremely intuitive. So whatever that is, and there's lots of explanations, I've worked with it, and I've, I, be, I now feel it. I've done readings now for going on 30 years and I feel it in my body I can feel in my brain if it's future I know where it is in my head I can feel if it's past because I feel a different sensation mm -hmm. I can feel in my own body without taking on the dysfunction um, in somebody else's body or the disease I can feel it in my own so our body is able to intuit this, our brain, um, and opening up on that level, it takes a while to interpret it. So describe what, what it's like now. I mean, when you're a kid and you're such an open vessel, I think children in general are very attuned to mm -hmm. the world at large and the things that people who have grown up and forgotten, for lack of a better word, how to see things. Um, but as an adult, when it's your process because it's it's your work and your your mission for lack of a better word do you um do you have a process that you go through to to prepare and then what does it feel like is it your mind suddenly full up of people going hey <laughs> no that would be i they're, they're not being psychic but being psychotic um <laughs> and there's a, a fine line <laughs> i do think there's no, a fine line yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> no it's it's like all things it's um it, it's understanding the energy that i think exists in within us and the the place in my brain, in my head, I can actually feel it open up. And it's over on my left side, right above my ear. <laughs> and when I, when you do this so long, you start to attune to your body. And, you know, there's a, there's no tension. There's no, like, holding my fists and clenching and looking and what's out there. It's more of that deep breath that finds your center and open to receive. And when you open to receive, and whether you're visual or whether you're non-visual, you will start to get something. And what I've learned is I get a thought or a picture or a picture of a lollipop you don't stop there you continue in this thought process to ask questions and then more information will come through so your body connects with that flow of energy and then your body knows when for me when I go to work and 
And just like we all have, there are certain physical signals that tell us what we're doing. I put, I, I put on my headset and it's like, suddenly I'm psychic. Mm-hmm. And then I take my headset off at the end of the day and I can go out and live my life, yeah. which is like everybody else's life. So, but that's the signal. And we are here in a physical body, but we do have access to the non-physical. And that's fascinating and ever unfolding. And I certainly don't have the answers, but I'm open to receive it. In the beginning, and, and this is important when you start to open up psychically, in the beginning, because you're moving in and out of this unfamiliar place, I have experienced in early on something that was not acceptable to me. If I wanted to explore that, I could have explored it, but it was uncomfortable. It was commanding. It, I know, and I, I don't want it to be dark because it was just an experience, but it was not something I wanted in my consciousness. It felt like it was trying to come in to take over. And we're always here in our own power. So that's where, you know, the, the other practices may go that have a, a great deal of uh, intention to manipulate. There's no secrets and, and, and there's no advantage to being psychic. I would have got the lottery numbers a long time ago instead of just coming close. You know, it's like that close. But it's a journey. And opening ourselves up to receive that and then keep going with it. You know, so often we get that like aha moment, that synchronistic thought, like I should be doing this. And then we get down the line and we go, oops, I forgot to ask that question or do this or do that. So it's remaining open, using our critical thinking to process it, but trusting in that little trail. I, I call them little uh, candlelights along the path. Just go and discover that. Do you so, ever have that experience happen to you when you are, I know that you say you put on the headphone and then you're in work mode and you're in you know clairvoyant person mode and that's, the, that's your thing in that moment. But when you're out there in the world, just moving around does it does it approach does it come in or have you already you've yes, set the boundaries so well or it does yeah and of then do you feel compelled to go up to somebody and say hey bob don't get in the car or you're gonna get in a car you know or do you sort of oh gosh no 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 and i and it's funny you know i've been approached by people like that it's like you don't know who you're talking to <laughs> but that that's a need, and if somebody was really urgently saying something to me, I would like, I would listen. But to function, we're all responsible for ourselves, and then that around us, and then we extend into our communities and beyond. Um, when I'm out there and I receive something that I'm not looking for, and this is. This is key for everybody. If you're pumping gas and you feel something odd and you're not looking for it, go into alert, look around, and then again, open up and what does that mean? Empathic people like yourself would pick up on the car next to, you know, three pumps over where they just had an argument or they just had something happen. And you may not understand that, but if you keep observing, you will get enough information as to know whether to act or not. 
Um, so the, the, for me, and this isn't the way with everybody who's intuitively open like this, I'm, I'm, I feel as though I have to narrow it down somewhat to stay present in my own physical reality, my mm. own grounded space. And then it's with ease I'm able to move in and out. Um, I, I said to myself the other day, you know, when I'm in, everything is um, clear and I'm working with others and it's such an exchange of basically love. I mean, that's what it comes down to. We're exchanging a, a process of our, her experience, his experience with what I can give in the hopes that I provide more information so that it empowers them. I get that back. I get it back. And then I'm able to move that into my life and maybe be a little bit nicer in my own family. <laughs> I'm a mom and a grandma and everything that goes with that. So it's, it's that connection we all carry. Um, I, I'm psychic. Okay, for years I avoided saying that. But that's what it is. But we're all there. We all have that. And to be able to, to define it, everyone receives it differently. I, I, I think that the journey for all of us is to expand our awareness. And if working with someone like myself helps you expand the awareness because I'm validating something you've already maybe got a little piece of, and now you're talking to this stranger, then that opens it up for you to analyze in your place right now. If you're talking to anybody who's working in this field and they say, oh, my goodness, you have to do this and this and this or else or else or else, that, there's some barriers there. There's some veils there. They're not able to completely work with you and your best intuitive guide. So there's all kinds of wonderful, magical things out there. Now, I think a lot of us, uh, get messages and we how, how does one tell the difference do you think what would be your advice of telling the difference between our own fear our own concern our own worry and an actual message you know like getting out of your head of like oh I'm just I'm just overreacting or I'm just like overthinking this or whatever you know because there's I think there are definite real messages but then I also think <laughs> we get in our own way I, I'll volunteer and say I get in my own way <laughs> We, amen. I'm, I get in, I'll get in my own way as soon as I walk out this room. Um, (laughs) And uh, being able to make that correction is important and understand that. But when one of the strongest indicators of something that's significant that you need to pay attention to is you aren't looking for it. It's spontaneous. Mm. So, I really pay attention to spontaneous thought. Um, you know, mothers are especially good with that. You know, that that natural ability that we carry as women to attune to that that we nurture and love. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a child, but certainly with children. It's why, you know, you race home to a, a child with a high fever that was left with, you know, a babysitter, that kind of thing. Um, you have a sense. So that spontaneous, where you're, you're not trying to analyze it with, 
your from your experience. Um, developing that, you can actually enhance your own ability through the practice of meditation. I always encourage that. And people say, well, I can't meditate. I can't be quiet. Um, yes, you can. It, it takes, you might fall asleep, but that's okay. Um, so the practice of that stillness, and then when something does come in, you are able to receive it and then ask questions, like I said earlier. Ask questions. When you fine-tune that muscle in your, or that part of your brain to do that, you start to act like a receiver. You pick up. And if you keep working with it, you're going to recognize what is coming from the critical analytical ego mind when it's based in fear versus what may really be true. You have to recognize the difference between your projection, which is your desire, your need, your fear, versus what doesn't have any attachment to it. Mm. And when it doesn't have an attachment, you pay attention. You, we can, we said we're going to get attached to it very quickly. My mother's dying. I need to do this and I need to do this. Or the plane is going to crash. Is it real? Should I get on that plane or not? And we all think that. Planes are scary. So, and clients, that's all. I get that question a lot. Janet and I, you know, can you talk to me? I'm getting on a plane. Am I okay? Yes. I don't say that just to reassure them. I look, and I always, I, I always look for their bags and them walking back through their door. Mm. And if I see that, and I can say, you know, Susan, you're coming home. Your plane is fine. And then kind of there in the little background, I'll get like losing bags or planes being laid, all that that we can expect. But I'm, you're walking through your door back into your life. So you move past the fear. So if you get on, you're getting on a plane and you know, you're anxious or you're getting ready to do a job interview and you're anxious, you just stop, get, let go of that attachment, move out beyond that. Where am I afterwards? Well, that brings and up an interesting question too because when a client comes to you, I, I do believe that, in, that a human being, as they move through their life, they're, they're given all sorts of doorways to walk through. It's all about choice and growth, and we experience this over here, which opens a new set of doorways and all that. So if I come to you and I say, hey, kind of show me what's coming, do you see all those doors, or do, do the, the powers that be sort of hone you in on a particular thing? And then if you do see something that is a, a lesson that must be lived um, and it's, it's out, of, out of your control in its sense of that's that person's journey. You, do, I, I don't know if I'm asking this well, but do you know what I mean? I, I like, know. Mm -hmm. I do, Susan. And, um, you know, the truth is we are always in a state of virtual reality. Because we have, what's unique to this physical life is we have free will to make a choice. And so when I connect to somebody who desperately wants to hang on to their partner, but the mm -hmm. partner's leaving, mm -hmm. and I see the partner is leaving, and I can see that 
you know, perhaps lies and betrayal or any number of things or just separateness. I see it. But I'm also feeling that client's heart and I feel it in between that space I'm in. I can feel it. But it's my job to go beyond the feeling and see what lies ahead, just like we were saying. And to bring that back to those feelings that are being experienced now, honor those feelings. But what is the soul's journey with this relationship, for instance? What is your soul commitment to this person? And what is what are you taking from it? What are you giving? We know you love this person and you're giving and giving and giving. But this person's leaving or this person's abusive or this person is not in touch and you no matter what you do um it i always try to bring whatever the situation i'm looking at back to the individual i'm speaking with and look at the potential realities. and i'll and i say the way you're going this is going to happen if you keep on this path and nothing changes and you're not you're so attached to your outcome, this is what the result is, and that's usually, in the case of a relationship, a breakup. Um, if you want to stop this train and you want a different reality, make a different choice for you and let go of the attachment that you want. And then the world opens up for you. And as well as the situation you're in. And that that's where we can go out in a session and look at perhaps past lives. Why are we in this little soul agreement together? What are we learning from one another? It's, and we'll always think about each other, even if we have to part. But if we can part with love and understanding without creating more chaos and separation then we move on experiencing the relationships in our life as a result of that work. Mm -hmm. And we expand and we no longer are in a fear of separation. And perhaps the partner who's left can experience the same thing. To, you know, this over and over and again, repeating, repeating, going back and doing it again the next lifetime. Certainly we've all done that. But I think as a group of souls we're evolving now and we go back to that you know expansion beyond that and we can move into this fabulous wonderful creative connection where we work together and it starts with our friendships our loves our our individual relationships if we can't heal that we can't heal this planet i'm going to give away a secret and the secret is this, it's a rainbow. <laughs> when you want to have dialogue with someone that might be a little bit difficult or you're feeling that block, just take a breath, put a rainbow on your heart. This is so silly, but it works. Put a rainbow on your heart. Imagine that rainbow shooting out and landing on the heart of that person. And then forget about everything else. Don't think about what they're going to say, what you're going to say. Just let it go. And every time you think about them until you meet them or even while you're dialoguing with them, just see the rainbow. That's it. 
and watch what happens. That energy will shift. For 40 years, probably, I use that every time I get pulled over by a cop. And it worked every time. <laughs> so, <laughs> rainbows. Uh, that's good advice. I think that's any... I think coming to the table with love in, in one's heart and, and openness. And for me, I always say, you know, allow for space. If you allow for the space, that's where the growth mm-hmm. happens, in the, in the middle somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm that's a big, true. big fan of space in music, in life. What I think is so fascinating as well is nearly every single person I know, including people like my father who quote-unquote scientists, as if saying scientists means they couldn't possibly believe in the other, which isn't true. Of course they can. My father, (laughs) though, it's been a whole journey for him to finally now, I think he's more open to it, probably because he's older and the realms of possibilities have opened. Um, But nearly every person I have ever encountered, I I could come close to saying 100%, really, I think, um, have had an experience where the phone rings, or they think about something, the phone rings, or they don't turn left, they go right, and because left, there would have been an accident, or they're lost, they don't have their GPS, and they just go with the flow, and they get to where they're going, or <laughs> they think of a friend, and it turns out that they haven't thought about for years, and they find out they just passed away, or um, my my dear friend Meg, uh, when her husband passed away from cancer, and he was a dear friend of mine, um, their ch- he was in ho- uh, for hospice, Tim was in a hospital bed in the on the first floor of their house and Meg would you know dutifully by his side as in the last bits of his life and um as she was through his whole life and uh when he passed away the children were upstairs a couple floors up sound asleep and Meg said she went up to tell the children that their father had that Tim had passed away and um Jack the son was in the hallway and she said, what are you doing out of bed? And he said, daddy just came, came up through that, through the floor to my bed <laughs> and said goodbye and kept going. He's gone. Well, isn't he? well. And, and like you said, as a child, like, I can't even tell you how many things I experienced as a child. And so many of my friends with children are, you know, talk about how their kids are talking to someone that's not there or, you know, all this stuff, all these things to me, is exactly what you're talking about, is being open to that. So I don't know why, A, I think it gets vilified for some strange reason. God forbid we listen to our intuition. Mm-hmm. You know, right. even religion steps in. I've had people say, oh, that's the devil. You know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do this, you know, intuitive stuff. It's the devil. And, and I'm, I was like, have you read the Bible lately? The God actually, <laughs> I there was one, I can't even remember which book it's in, but Moses goes to run to get, um, I think it was Moses, maybe it was Abraham. I'm almost, no, it was Moses. Uh, a bunch of people were gathering to, to have God come and do some fun thing. And, and there, the soothsayers, the, the psychics in the village weren't coming. They were, they were doing their job. They were talking about what was coming. And Moses was so upset and he ran to, to get them to come in. And they're like, no, no, we're good. We're, we're working. We're fine. And Moses went back to God and said, can't get these ladies to, you know, these crazy ladies who think they're psychic. And, and there's the whole thing where God says, these people are blessed. They are, they are a mouthpiece for me and they're divining. And I read that passage. I was like, yes, exactly. Of course. <laughs> of course. Who gets and to that, say? 
Who's to say? And so the other thing that happens to me, that happened to me as, as a kid, my great grandmother showed up when I went, and I was probably 12, um, and she just passed through. And literally at the end of the bed, and I I woke up and I, I told my mother um, that she was gone, and it was foo food, and then she was gone. So my mother, um, she didn't come to me when she died. She came to me about eight months before she died in a dream that was extremely vivid, and it was that um, uncertainty of. You know, uh, uh, am I awake? Am I I'm, I'm trying to grab the word. Um, but it was definitely a dream. But when I awoke, I knew for certain there was no question. She told me the exact day she was going to die. Oh. And she did on that exact day. Why impart that kind of knowledge? I mean, that's pretty stressful. <laughs> um. I think it was it was actually around Christmas time. I'm the oldest of five. I have four brothers, and I think it was her way of preparing. Mm. Um, I was the oldest, the only girl, the oldest of of five, and so that was always the role was taking care of your brothers, which was just about the last thing she said to me about mm. taking care of my brothers. So I didn't go into fear. I went into and I didn't go into trying to change it. I just accepted it. Um, I, I didn't feel like I needed to. And one thing I can say that I've learned is to question. When we're working with your, with our intuitive and we get that information, as people say to me, how can I be more psychic? And I say, ask more questions of yourself. Mm. And when you get to a place where there are no more questions that's generally going to open up to certainty. And, and speaking of the ancients, I think what's accelerating, I'm jumping off a little bit, what's accelerating this, and, and speaking of your dad, when we are now embracing this intuitive and we're listening to people like myself and other ways of divining, when the physicists and the scientists are playing with that on a cellular level or a molecular level and they're going to come up with a new equation, then it's all going to be, ah, mm-hmm. was there all wrong? And this is how it works. Well, I bring that up all the time. I mean, 20 years ago, the idea of a multiverse was insane to people. And now they talk about it as if it's no big deal. I've been like, of course there's other... Yeah. You know, of course there's a multiverse. It makes complete and total sense to me. Why wouldn't there be? You know, to me, it right. makes total sense. But and for, my father always says science is not about proving things. Science is about disproving things. Exactly. Which I always found very fascinating. Uh, and I, again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I've been hallucinating my whole life. But if that's the case, that's okay, too. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm, my, I don't hang my hat on it. You know, <laughs> You know, then let's enjoy the, the hallucination. Yeah, you're super crazy, Janet, just so you know. I know. I was saying, okay, psychic is one step away from psycho. <laughs> you know, you know those, those people you see along the street sometimes, and they're just talking to the birds. Yeah. Like, when, when, I, when I pass people who are clearly have some stuff going on, who are in general 
when I was in LA, for example, um, I was on a trip a couple months back and I was walking from my Airbnb to get a, a coffee back when I was drinking coffee. And uh, I passed by this man who was in the shadows talking to himself and giving pause for someone to respond, although he was the only one there. And as it took every ounce of me to not go over to have a conversation with him just for safety's sake because I don't know who he was and if he was dangerous or not but I thought for all I know he is a lightning rod of divinity I don't know he maybe he has tipped the scale of balance to the point where his conscious self is no longer a gatekeeper you talk of fear fear is as uh Frank Herbert says the mind killer and it shuts everything down, right? So here is a person who's maybe mentally ill, but all the gatekeepers are gone. And we define it as mentally ill because mm -hmm. we're defining it within our, our space of mental health. What is sure. that? 200 yeah. years ago, you would have been set on fire at the nearest tree. A long time ago. Yeah. You know, that probably happened a few times. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have one, I have one un... Um, unanswered fear in my life that really shakes me to a core and it's not associated with family it's I'm, I mean a physical fear of, uh, and it's an earthquake there's something about an earthquake that takes me right out of my awareness back into the body and it's like I've lived every single earthquake there ever was and I feel it so and I've been through some, I'm, I'm having lived in California a lot, I've been through some pretty good ones. Um, and I just freeze. So I started working with it. And right after October 1st, I think it was on, like, I can't remember the date, October 14th, I, I felt the earthquake in my body. I felt it. I, I heard it. I felt it. It's like, oh, gosh, where is it? Is it here? And I'm tuned in. I thought, just stop. Just stop. Use this. Figure it out. You're opening up. Don't be afraid of this. You're not going to die and so on. So I, I did all this self-talk. I, I tuned in. I asked questions. I got San Francisco. I got 4.5. I did a quick check, and I thought, well, everybody's okay. I don't need to, like, send out a warning. And sure enough, on that date, that there was San Francisco. Right the epicenter, it was 4.1. So... It's it's the killer of the mind. In that mind, um, all of us, we have that information. We're connected to the mother, the mother earth itself. Everything needs so much healing and, you know, to move into that and, 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 and ask for more information so we can be effective right now and move out of that mind killer, whether it's coffee or earthquakes. <laughs> um, I think we can... All I can, we all can accelerate to that place where we can have some peace and gosh, we all need it right now. Well, and it, and it shows itself in many forms. There is the intuitive of when you first meet someone, you get an intuitive reaction in your gut and in dating, <laughs> the intuitive reaction of this person is totally wrong for, for me. And then three and a half years later, when you're breaking up, you think, why didn't I listen to that voice in the first five seconds? You know, it is amazing. And I, I understand there are life lessons and things like that. Um, but in workplaces, people who are in bad moods, who their energy radiates and, and poisons the atmosphere, 
there's there's so much going on on this beyond cellular level that we are absorbing constantly and absorbing it and letting it pass through transmutation is an important skill i think mm-hmm. right yeah as without learning how to do that um you couldn't be doing your work you wouldn't be as clear as you are creatively um and we have to be in a space like giant receivers and in that space if we can receive the information we need to deal with that nasty person it may mean do nothing absolutely do nothing but don't bring it in you know um there are little magic tricks we can use, and I have a few in my bag. Um, I, I don't have things as powerful as gargoyles or flying monkeys, but and mostly they're just affirmations or ways to shift the energy. And um, I, I always give the advice when a, there's a breakup, for instance, to see that man, let's talk if it's a man and, and with someone you're breaking up with and that you're in the throes of that separation to instead of seeing the man see the child, see that man as a child and the, the child within that man and put a five year old picture not of him but of a five year old in your mind joyful, full of love happy, healthy, playing and every time you think of that man and the heartache and the separation and the sadness, whatever those emotions are quickly bring in the five year old little boy you can't help but love that innocence and that opportunity and we can release that so those are kind of the tricks I'm talking about it's changing the mind yeah and just because you love someone doesn't mean you are bound to them and in fact sometimes I feel like people come into my life whom I love, and the the lesson is the unbinding of them. Exactly. So the individual experience. Mm. Oh, but I love him. Oh, how many times? Oh, but I love him. How many times have we heard that? So or said it? <laughs> so yes, we do. But what are we? What what is our capacity? to both give and receive so that as we enter into those relationships and we can be at our very best with one another. I mean, most of my work, yes, I get to talk to dead people and I love that work. That's the best, that's fun. And I, I'm right in the middle. I'm in the middle and I get love from all around and it's joyful. Most of my work is about, you know, relationships and money. <laughs> You know, those are the things that keep us here moving in this physical life. The relationships are fascinating. And that's when I love the numerology. Numerology, is, you know, goes back to all ancient symbology and times. And there are patterns there. And I can see it in relationships over and over playing out. And so to look at the compatibility and know what we expect of ourselves. What is our life lesson? What am I here to teach, to learn? And look at that in relationship to the partner you're with and then you can both co you know be in this space to to connect at a soul level whatever that soul agreement is doesn't mean that as you say it binds us you know you know find your soulmate find your soulmate find your soulmate my 
I kind of joke around my statement, and I don't really mean it seriously, but if you see a soulmate, run. Um, well, I remember you like, told me that a long, long time ago. You said that, and I, I, I'd never forgotten it, and I, in fact, impart your wisdom on others when we confuse the idea of a soulmate as being the end-all, be-all, and in fact, it's the one, there are several soulmates, they are there to teach our souls, to help us mm -hmm. learn ourselves, or maybe we're there to help them learn something, or, I mean, who knows what the, as you say, contract is, it's a great word, you know, who knows what the agreement is. I think there's so there are soul agreements, I'm, and if you, you reflect back on all the relationships, what we learned, even the painful ones, what we came away with, you see the journey to where you can move into what I love to call the beloved relationship. Um, the soulmates and our agreements and our time that we interact through this dimensional space as others bring us to a place of being able to receive the beloved relationship. And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to walk out and tell my husband to, you know, sweep the, the patio and be cranky about it because he didn't do it. But I'm, I'm, the beloved is we constantly are able to continue the process of an effortless being to, with one another. Life is not effortless. It's very difficult. But when we're beloved, when you find your beloved, there's a process that begins to move the, through the two that joins as one. So there's never a decision that is separate. We're in separate individuals. I am my beloved yeah. and my beloved is mine. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. So finding beloved is moves beyond finding the soulmate, but we honor those soulmate connections. And there are so many. And I mean, how many times have you met somebody and you feel that deep connection, but it's not a love, you know, or sexual connection. It's, it's just that full heart. And as close as you can get to feeling that beloved connection um, outside of a, of, a, of a relationship, I think, would be with oneself and loving oneself. And when you were able to do that, then we energetically open up to receive it and that person who has also done that work immediately attracts to that light mm. and that's when it becomes effortless even meeting the piece of person is effortless you just bump into each other at the grocery store now dating and, and going online and meeting people or getting the app or all this that's important you're, you're learning you're processing you're opening up that energy to receive but when the relationship and think about it, the ones that are so long-term and sustainable and unfolding, there's often this little magic that came, that brought them together, that was effortless in the beginning. So, and you're not intuitively sitting across the table at a date going, oh gosh, let me listen to my intuition. Is, is he like, where are the red flags? What's going on? Or is she this or is she that? There's something that's just great and I see that over and over and I see more of that now because there's a lot of people that have found it too painful and they're separating from relationship altogether well that's it I'm not I, I, I'm fine alone and you are and you're in the social circles and your family circles and to be okay in that space of oneness 
that's when sometimes that sacred void opens up to receive in the least expected way. Mm. And oftentimes it's not on a physical level, it's not what you put down on that list, those 10 most wanted things that may be taller or shorter or darker or lighter or different career, but you feel it on such a deep spiritual soul connection that the physical eyes and what you see, and we talk about, well, you know, it won't, isn't, you know, part of the compatibility. You, you fall in love with the physical person, the physical body. Um, boy, we're going off on here, but I spend a lot of time talking about relationships and people wondering, and, mm. well, I want somebody, I'm, I'm looking for someone, but I have to be sexually attracted. Well, what is, what is that? Well, they have to be this tall and have this career and wear these clothes. Okay, well, that's another soulmate coming your way. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's fascinating. I love the work I do. I haven't done it all of my life. Um, I've been psychic all of my life, but I haven't done this work. And working with people like yourself, there are just these beautiful circles. Um, because I don't, I, I'm kind of the hidden psychic, I guess somebody once called me. Um, you kind of have to find me. That's why it was so hard to, to do this podcast with you on, on Hey Human. It's like, I don't do that kind of thing. <laughs> You're very kind to be on. Thank you. <laughs> I, know, I know that when I asked you that you had to think on it a little bit. and. Mm-hmm. But I love you, and I'm so comfortable with you, and you're part of that circle. And that circle is just, it is sustaining. And you know what's fascinating? And, and the thousands of people that are in that circle, I, I, there are people that have come to me, of course, through referrals, but who don't know each other. That, that They've been referred by a completely different person in a completely different state. I've even happened, had that happen within families. And you read for my sister, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, totally unrelated, or even in relationships, and that's been kind of weird a couple of times. Oh, so. yeah, I bet. Yeah. So, oh, I want to talk about so-and-so. Oh, gosh, I think that's my client. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's just proof again of this tribe and this big circle where we're all holding hands, and yeah. I'm so grateful to be part of it and alive and witness to it um and and the opportunity that you have or we all have to move into that space is there in front of us all the time it's there we just have to remember it um it's and when we have things that are tragic it is a reminder and we can move into action and we can make a difference and it does sustain and Why do you think those things happen, like October 1st or what happened at the mosque in Egypt or, you know, what's happening all over the world? Why do these singular events where one person or, well, in the case of in Egypt, obviously, it was a multitude of people that are under, you know, the under the guise of religion. That's that's not really what they are. They're hiding behind that. But um, because any a good Muslim would tell you that the. Mm-hmm. You know, I've read the Quran. There's nothing in there saying go blow up people while they pray. Um, it's an abuse of power. It is. 
Um, 100%. But for people, though, though, you think of the words darkness and light, and I don't even, and evil and, and what, I, all that stuff, those words, they don't, I get the feeling that they're trying to encapsulate, but those words mean nothing. You know what I mean? It's it's an energy. It's a, some, uh, why so though? Why do you feel, I mean, because you, I feel, I know I'm intuitive. I do, but I'm, there are people like you who are, beyond the realm, beyond the mortal coil. You... I felt it coming. I felt 9-11 coming. I told people about 9-11, but I couldn't define it. I saw a dark wave. It looked like a tidal wave, but it was dark going through the streets of New York. I saw it a year before. I used to do a newsletter. I put it in the newsletter, and I thought it was a tidal wave. It was weird. Um, I read for people that lost their apartments and there were one of them comes to mind who didn't go to work that day because he went to visit his sick mother in Florida and I told him the week before I said you come back and your job is gone it's just gone I read for somebody a week or so before and I saw fire in their apartment but I couldn't define 9-11 I didn't see the planes going into the building um, so why didn't I see it um because some things are just supposed to happen. And I, I hate saw saying that because it's horrifying. It's a horrible thing to say. It's awful. And I saw something else, though, weeks later. I went into a deep, deep meditation. And I wonder if I'm hallucinating to this day. Um, but we're asking why. So it was important to me to know why. Like it is for all of us. And here we are all these years later. And when I went into this deep meditation, I saw this vision of all those souls leaving their body in the towers, and they rose up in like a mass, like a, a mass of light, and angelic golden light, and they supported and loved each other as they arched up, 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 and I just went with it, and honest to God, Susan, what I saw next was Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And I saw this pillar of light beings come up, and they joined. And as they joined together, there was a healing. That's what I saw. Do I understand it now? But that's what I saw. Right before October 1st, I went out right before, for several weeks before, I was just out of my skin, that same feeling. Couldn't figure it out, couldn't define it. And my, my husband knows me well enough to know something's up. And I said, something's, something's up. Somebody's going to die. Someone's so sick. Or this is going to happen. And I don't know what it is. And I'm looking. And I didn't see it. And then when we got the call that night as it was happening, it was like, oh, okay, that's it. Um, the evil that took place there, it recently came out. Uh, this week in the newspaper that, um, let me get this right, I think it was five, I, I could be off, but it was, I think it was 5,000 rounds were fired into the crowd, and there were a little over 500 in in injuries and 58 deaths, and there were 200 rounds fired into the hallway, and I don't think that has been published, so you think about the scale of that. 
and the lives that were saved and the beings that now are joining part of the healing circle around all of us. I think in the sense of time, on a historical um, timeline and the abuse of power, if there are, if there is a balance out there in that multi-dimensional universe, we may be in for a big correction. Is there an opportunity to shift that before that happens? Absolutely. And I think I'm, people are, keep asking me, is there going to be a nuclear war? And I'll make the prediction right now. The answer is no. Um, it all looks that way. It, and why not? Everything's lined up. But It I also looked no. like that in the 50s. But, you know, I think clean, okay. clearer heads will prevail. God clearer will. heads, technology... Um, so what if this, what if that whole um, process of science, technology, as well as the psychic intuitive connections we're talking about, come together as they are, and there are no secrets. And one day, we all wake up and we realize that we can't hide. And that's happening right now. You see it. So what if that acceleration takes place and now it is visible? Then there is a correction. There's no misuse of power because there's an immediate correction. I think we're going there. I think that will be the time when we move into light. And it's painful. But... My kids have known it, and they're in their late 20s and 30s now. I raised them that way. There are no secrets in this household. <laughs> and they used to jokingly walk around with tinfoil on their heads. <laughs> That's funny. And, yeah, um, one of them actually put tinfoil in his navel. I think that was my husband. Um, <laughs> so they were trying to surprise me with something. So that concept of there are no secrets will bring us to a place of peace and the balance of power and eliminate the misuse of power mm -hmm. so what do you think about the interdimensional stuff what what is your experience with that i know you have a couple pretty intriguing stories but i don't know if you're comfortable sharing them you have seen a lot of things i mean you can am i correct in saying you can astral project yes okay so um there was one incident, and I'll just be brief on it. Um, it was a, a near-miss car accident, and I actually, and I was probably 16, 18, um, and uh, one vehicle passed through the other vehicle. Mm. And we all stood in the middle of the Arizona desert in the intersection, and dust going everywhere, and I remember red lights from the lights and dust going everywhere, but I, and we all, you know, late teens, 20s, stood around looking at each other like, why aren't we dead? Um, literally saw mm, the dashboard and the dashboard, two dashboards cross through, just like, Phew. so yeah, um, that stuff does happen. Mm. And not frequent, um, you know, for me, but it, it has happened. I think it's important to stay anchored in the physical when you do this kind of work. Mm. Um, you know that you can get a little out there to where we're not attached to the body necessarily and um, 
we are in a physical experience and to be psychic but be grounded um, is sometimes a challenge so just simple things like exercise and you know taking care of business um, drinking lots of water drinking lots of water and staying skeptical I um, you know I'm probably the most skeptical psychic there is I'm pretty skeptical too which is funny and I think it comes with the with the intuition yeah and you, you, it comes with the, the discovery that I want to know more. How does that work? And what does that lead to? And that's the fascinating part of being able to move in and out of it. I, I, I take signals um, to move in and out of it. Speaking of that, if somebody wants to try to develop their intuitive Give yourself a, a signal, whether it's, you know, a breath work in your, your yoga, your meditation, a trigger point. <laughs> I've been doing this so long, it's my headset going on my head. <laughs> it's like, put it on, okay, ready. Um, but it triggers the awareness within my physical body that now I'm moving. And just as easily move back into your responsibilities that you have in your own life. Um, I've come across too many psychics um, that, you know, are dear people and have done wonderful work, but they, and my mother was one, she couldn't let it go, and it eventually took such a toll on the physical body um, that she wasn't able to live a long life, and she couldn't disconnect, and so it turned into fear. And... Uh, that's not the kind of work that I think this yourself and the intuitive people or the seers or the mystics or whatever we want to call ourselves are here to do. Um, we're here to move beyond that fear, step into that space, bring the information back into the physical and build a life for ourselves and our tribe and our world and then our universe. Um, and I think that the more we are able to find the balance between those two, and it's a physical awareness, move in of it, move into it, move out of it. You know what's fascinating, Susan, is I, like you, I have um, a big community here. We've, we've been in, I've been in Las Vegas for 36 years, and I have lots of friends, lots of people around me, circles and circles of friends. A handful of my friends I work with psychically because we're in a different space. Now, if there was something that was like, okay, we, we talk about it, we do those things, but I have some that are clients and then we'll talk about it, but there's a respectful kind of, I guess it's a boundary. Mm. I need my life. Mm. I need my social life. Mm. I need to go have my Christmas party and go to your party and go to this event. I'm not going to be able to, for me, function in a space where I'm in that space of receiving and being open completely and have an enjoyable time. Mm-hmm. I say <laughs> that I, I like that too. in the music business. I'm a professional songwriter. Um, with success, I mean, I've had success. I'm, I'm wouldn't call myself a quote unquote hit writer. I haven't had the big one yet. However, I mean, I've had some. However, you're about a year and a half away from it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's good to know. Um, but 
I've had people say, well, why don't you write with that person who's, you know, somebody that's got six or seven number ones or something that happens to be a friend. You know, people are like, well, you know, why aren't you writing with them? Why aren't you, why don't you ask them to write? And it's like, because there's boundaries and they're my friend. And it would feel wrong. Well, with one of my friends, just like one of your friends came up and said, Susan or Janet, I need you to look at this. Of course. Of course. You know, then that, then we're available for that. But we have to honor our own individual experiences. And boundaries. And, boundaries are so <laughs> important as we are learning. <laughs> Yeah, isn't it great to see all those boundaries coming up? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I was just talking to uh, my best friend Ellen, and uh, we were discussing the latest uh, thing today. Of course, two more people announced today: Matt Lauer and Garrison Keillor. Yeah. And uh, what's fascinating—the thing is that I find also interesting—is that we now are at a place where we just, we're not even, did you do it? Did you not do it? Doesn't matter. We're just, you're gone. You're fired. And, <laughs> and it's a very extreme reaction. Instead of saying, did you do it? Let's take this all the way through and find out for sure. And then deal with the consequence. But I think in these, in these days, these times, I almost think there's an extremity that needs to happen because it has been, it's been lunacy. I can't, I mean, the list of experiences I have had myself is extraordinarily oh. long. <laughs> and it is just people who think that it's just, they can do whatever they want and yeah. they can't. And I have very good boundaries, you know, mm -hmm. in general. But as I was growing up, as you're learning your boundaries, people take advantage and it's a very bizarre time for sure. But the patriarchy versus the, the matriarchy, it is, as you were talking about dark to light or heaviness to light or the mother versus the father, it's, I welcome a time when all that will be integrated, where it isn't one is above the other, mm -hmm. you know, where it's truly integrated, where we, where we are equals. Where this the, is a where, step towards that. This is a giant step. It's given, and it is in degrees. And of course it's in degrees. And a lot of that will be, you know, to discover, you know, in the media and who did what and what did what happened. But, you know, we have to, to understand that. But it is a huge step in the, the progression of that oneness and mm -hmm. all beingness. And suddenly, you know, in this current time with this situation you me other women it's like we've given permission to ourselves it's it's okay now to go through that list that of our own experiences and share it i i don't i don't mean blast it and yelling and screaming but share it in those spaces where appropriate because at some level the ego once has made us wrong. That's why we hid. That's why we didn't tell anybody. Mm. So that requires a forgiveness, mm -hmm. a knowingness. And we're assisting as women, we're assisting one, and men, and men. Oh, sure, men are being and abused as well. It's, it's, we're assisting one another. And the men, you know, in my life are assisting the women in their life. And, and, and it's all part of that acceleration. I... I think we have to be careful. I'm going to go back to burning at the stake. Um, but in its 
movement, there is definitely a major shift, and that is going to have tremendous impact on generations to come. Yes. There, and, I read something the other day that I thought was so powerful, and it was it, it came out on Thanksgiving morning. I saw it on Twitter, and someone had written an essay saying, don't force your children. Now, this said don't force your girls, but I think this is true for boys and girls. Don't force your children to hug a relative if they're not comfortable. You're teaching them their body doesn't belong to them. And we live in a culture that in some ways vilifies our body, right? It tells you why you're not good enough or it says it doesn't belong to you. We have politicians who tell you that, that your body doesn't belong to you. There's all sorts of... We have religion that tells you that. And at the same time, there's also this... Like the sacred feminine, it's throughout many religions. Mother Mary, there's a sacred feminine, you know, in a, in a, there's just, there's so many levels to this. And I always think when, like today, when this happened, <clears throat> Garrison Keillor said, <clears throat> excuse me, said, you know, oh, I, my hand was on this woman's back and it was skin on skin and she recoiled and, and I apologized immediately. And it's the only instance that's ever come out, but he was fired instantly. And I think of this, thing I remember in uh, the Star Trek I always go back to Star Trek when Spock sacrificed himself and he had his hand up on the window and James Kirk was on the other side of the window and, and Spock does the live long and prosper and he says and, and Kirk says why did you do this you know and he says because the needs of the one you know the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one I'm probably totally misquoting that I'm sorry Trekkies everywhere but and so there are going to be people unfortunately, who fall under the cart as the cart rolls toward this better place, which sucks. I don't, I don't want people, I don't want there to be false accusations because it makes the people who have real accusations seem less believable. And that frustrates me. When somebody says, this happened to me, I want to believe them. I do believe them. You so know. I don't know Matt Lauer and, and, uh, or Garrison Keillor, but when we go beyond the personality and the, the consciousness here, the experience, and we move into a soul level of what we're teaching as well as what we're learning, perhaps in that agreement somewhere, those individuals are part of what you just spoke about. And they're part of that healing circle, much like 9-11 and Nagasaki and the, the nuclear, nuclear event. So does that make it easier for that individual in the space now? Of course not. And the impact it has on careers and families. We all have to come back to forgiveness, Susan. Mm -hmm. All of us. And... We can't forgive until we recognize the wrong. Mm. And I think that's the process we're in now. Well, forgiveness is a very tricky thing because some might say there are certain acts that are unforgivable. Do you forgive a Hitler? Do you forgive... Yeah. And, and I just had this conversation today too. The, the, the strange thing is like, what do you say about, let's say, a Bill Cosby who, you know, do you think of him as this genius comic can you compartmentalize? It doesn't take away from the fact that he was a genius comic or is a genius comic. He's also this horrible human being. So and 
and there's the dichotomy of that and it's the you know recognizing the genius comedy but now the genius comedy has like i don't want to watch the genius comedy right. comedian i don't want to see it no anymore. you don't have to yeah you can choose not to be a part of that any, and right. i and i have i mean i scrolled through like netflix for example i'm like oh there's a bill cosby movie there that's weird yeah. Well, I, I don't support that. I don't want to watch that. I don't want but to put money. But time from now, you know, 20 years from now, that is gone. That's just a faded memory. Who was Bill Cosby? But that generation that, you know, is now going to be where we are will not be experiencing this, mm. hopefully. Hopefully. You no. Know, there's some pretty ugly stuff out there, and... Um, when you talk to as many people as I've talked to over the years, you see some pretty ugly stuff. Yeah. And to be able to be part of that and move that with those individuals into a place where they can be released from that vice grip of, of terror and separation. So you acknowledge it and then you move into making your life worth worth living and we learn from it and we teach from it those are the little bubbles that continue to grow and go off on their own and have an impact separately and in their experience and we can't forget that and we never want to forget such as you know the Hitlers and the, the, the acts of evil but we don't want to hold on to it in such a way that that is what we're energetically putting out again and mm. again and mm. again. Um, and I think that's why we won't see a nuclear war. Um, we may come very close. I think there may be technology in place to actually, it's kind of weird again, to reverse the, um, the uh, effects of... Uh, radiation I, I think we're very close to that and uh, you know the, the fear of having somebody's finger on the button I think that those circles of people around that individual who has the power know that yeah and um, including that individual so all that playing out you and I sitting here feel powerless. I can't pick up the phone and say, don't do that. <laughs> but we aren't. We aren't. We have that. Even having the conversation, whoever's listening, you have that ability to have that thought, to move it out into that consciousness. Mm. You know, my first experience with that, going off just a bit, and we're probably running out of time, mm -hmm. years and years ago, there was an awful you know, things on the news of uh, uh, famine and civil war in Africa. And um, I can't, I'm trying to remember the country. And it was horrible. Pick you know. one. There's like, yeah, pick one. You know, mothers, mothers and babies. And I was just, oh, terrible, terrible. And I'm sitting there in my living room in my comfortable place. And I'm going, oh, this is so awful. This is so awful. And what can I do? And there was a report that the mothers weren't allowing their children to drink the water that the aid groups had brought in because they thought the water was poison. It was bottled water. And they wouldn't give it to their children. And I went into this space, like, 
I thought, I'm just awful. And I went out there, and I went way out there, and I tapped into that woman that I saw on TV. And I got into her head and her heart and her consciousness, and I felt like I was holding her baby with her. And I was reassuring her, and I was telling her, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Drink the water, drink the water. It's, it's saving your life. And not to say that I'm that powerful, but I felt... I felt a response. I felt a connection. And it was separate from me in my living room. Mm -hmm. It was something beyond that. And that's what I'm talking about. If all that can just go out there in, in, in being able to change your mind and change the mind of, of others is possible and we're seeing that play out in our political and, and, and environmental you know climate but we also have that access to another realm hmm. and i think that work is important whether we're coming together in prayer uh individually in meditation but to move beyond that and move into a place of pure love whether it's to feed a starving child or to rescue somebody who is, you know, in, in a terrible situation, um, or change the political minds, it's possible. And uh, but we also have to honor our own journey, and sometimes that is going to bring us some challenges. Yeah. There's no question about it. Um, being able to access my own intuitive doesn't mean I get to cheat in my life. And a lot of people think, well, I'm going to be psychic so I can get ahead or get this job or get the lottery numbers or it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Um, the more pure you are in your own thought when you're working in the intuitive that that information is there to share you're learning and it's to assist you so you can assist others as you're learning the more clear that information is going to be yeah and i am not attached to it to your point too i think that's why prayer is so powerful is because it's an energetic force out into the world mm -hmm. and 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 even if there's chaos in the world start with you yourself start with i start with me and then from me, I move out one step and maybe it's buying an extra pair of socks and throwing it in the donation bin or an extra can of food. Or maybe it's volunteering to feed someone or like just give a bottle of water to a guy standing. I mean, whatever, everybody has their thing. There's no <laughs> right or wrong. It's just, but start with yourself with that energy. One step out. If you're mad because there's a lot of violent crime in your neighborhood, then, you know, volunteer to go tutor a kid and show them there's a better life out there. Or, you know, go love on an old person who's in an old folks home because there's a lot of lonely people in the world. And yeah. that energy, again, transforms the whole world. I truly believe that. I believe that if I sit at the bedside of someone who is alone and hold their hand and tell them that they're okay and they're not alone, that that energy goes out into the world. 
it moves out into the world. It moves with the soul of that person who's moving in and out. I've experienced that as you have. It moves to the other person who is down the hallway alone and nobody's holding their hand. It's that powerful. It can be beyond that physical space that you're in and move far beyond that. And, you know, the opportunity we have is endless. And like you said, everybody has their own thing. The acts of kindness come so easily when you're aware and looking for them. Even, even if you observe something and you don't act on it right then, but you share it later or you do something later, it compels us to come back to that heart, to come back to the goodness within all of us. Um, when we say, you know, you're in my thoughts, you're in my prayers, that's very powerful. I agree. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, don't, you know, don't, I don't want your prayers, do something else. Well, you, that's okay. I'm, I'm still going to put that out there, but it also means that I am called to action in my own way. Mm-hmm. I don't have to necessarily go out there and say, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. I can bring it all into an energetic form uh, in, in two words that say thoughts and prayers. And that's very powerful. Okay. I just, I, you delight me and I love you. And I'm so happy you are on the planet. And I'm thankful that you said yes to being on a human. <laughs> You know, I I am so grateful to you, and I, I see many wonderful things coming your way. Um, I'm not going to let you go just yet, because I, I quickly did your birthday um, with some numerology. I'm not really, like, tuned, tuned in, because we're closing here. But you, my dear, are in a brand new cycle, and sight, light goes in big cycles, and you are at the beginning of a very powerful creative cycle where it begins to manifest in the physical, which usually means, in your case, that uh, another hit, another hit, and another hit. Um, this is the beginning. You're six months into it, and this is a very long cycle, 27 years that you just started. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've always been a late bloomer. <laughs> yeah. it's, well, and you, you did a lot of work. In the years I've done people. a lot of work. You did a lot of work, so you are ready for this. So I'm excited for you. All right, my love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Mwah. you. I love you. <laughs> love you, too. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Bye.